Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Great Scott Podcast. Today, I'm joined by legendary baseball player and television host, son, Joe Gergiola. I'm pleased to welcome his son, Steve Gergiola. How's it going, Steve? Hey, Mike, good morning. Good to talk to you, buddy. Hey, I hear that you're pretty snowed in up there. I'm sorry. Sorry about that. Oh, man, we're getting a blizzard today. We're supposed to get 12 inches. Oh. But I'm, I read an article this morning, pitchers and catchers report to Lakeland on Monday. <laughs> so we're hanging on, man. Spring is coming. Spring is definitely coming, and so is baseball season. Yep. So, soon enough, at least the, the spring training games are. But, uh, hey, speaking of baseball, uh, you're, you, I, let, me, let me just start off by, by saying this. Um, Every time that I watch your dad on television, uh, and I'm sure that he was probably the same way when he was playing baseball, to me, in my mind, I don't think you would have met a much nicer human being than, than Joe. I'm sure he was the exact same way off stage as he was on stage. Well, you know, the thing about him is that he just loved people. He loved being around people. And, you know, of course, his life was baseball, played baseball, was on a World Series with the Cardinals, won a World Series with the Cardinals. And then had a 40-year broadcasting career, Game of the Week at NBC with uh, Tony Kubek, then Scully. I mean, he, he just he loved people. He loved being around sports. It made him happy. So uh, yeah, pretty much what you what you see is what you get. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and uh, to go based on, <laughs> there's actually a couple of stories about your dad um, that I really like. Um, or actually when he was on television, rather, he did the uh, Dean Martin celebrity roast um, a, a, a few times. And so there's one yeah. time, <laughs> so there's one time uh, Milton Berle, they, uh, Dean Martin was introducing Milton Berle. He gets ready to come up. And um, one thing that Uncle Milty <laughs> that Uncle Milty did before he went up, he saw your dad. Y your dad was, uh, was a bald man, and he kissed his bald head and then came, came up to, to do his set. <laughs> and... And your dad, dad was laughing about that. Oh, he did a, a lot of bald jokes. A lot of bald <laughs> jokes over here. Yogi, Yogi stories and bald jokes, I think, for the most. <laughs> and speaking of that, yeah, your dad was really good friends with uh, Yogi Berra. Well, I, I mean, I, I guess that's even an understatement. That they're very good friends. He jokes about the fact that uh, my dad saying, you know, here I was, a, a major league ball player, uh, played in the World Series, even had a couple of World Series records for, for years until they eventually fell because he had a good World Series. But he said, you know, here I have all this accomplishment, and not only was I not the best player in my city, I was not even the best player on my own street because Yogi was born and grew up right across the street from him on Elizabeth Avenue in St. Louis on the hill. So really, uh, maybe the first person he remembers in life is Yogi. And they were dear, close friends for 90 years. You know, they both passed, passed a, both passed away very soon after their 90th birthday. And they kept in touch for 90 years. Yogi lived in New Jersey. And uh, now we lived in New York uh, for a while, but that's years ago. Uh, my dad, uh, my mom and dad, my mom is still with us. She still lives out in Arizona. But they lived out in Phoenix for, oh, 25, 30 years. But still, he kept in weekly contact with Yogi just to uh, just to check on him, see how he was doing. So, yes, they were very much dear, dear close friends for almost a century, which is pretty amazing. Would you say that your dad was closer to Yogi than, say, Phil Rizzuto was? I know that both of them were also really, really close friends as well. 
Oh, yeah, I think, I mean, I can't speak for Rizzuto's relationship. You know, I'm sure he had a very close relationship with Yogi. But Yogi and Joe were like brothers. And, and I, you know, I, I don't know what, the, what Phil Rizzuto's relationship was. I'm sure it was a wonderful one. But Joe and Yogi absolutely grew up playing baseball together, playing everything together. I mean, as kids, they started playing baseball when they were, you know, five years old. Both of them got drafted into the major leagues, signed minor league contracts when they were like 16 years old. Yeah, I know. That's, so, one, thing I mean, that's one thing I was going to ask you about next. It says here, I'm looking on the Internet, that your dad signed with the St. Louis Cardinals at age 16. And then at age 17, the youngest player to play in the Columbus Redbirds history, which is the, the yeah. team. Yeah, I mean, they went, uh, think of that, 16-year-old shipping off from home, and he played in Springfield and in Columbus, and not long after, two years later, he's, play, he's playing in the major league. Wow. And, uh, and Yogi, Yogi was the same. Yogi was just a phenomenal athlete. In fact, my dad would, uh, would often say that he had never seen a better athlete than Yogi, and to look at Yogi, you say, oh, this kind of dumpy guy, and he said it was just amazing. As they grew up, whatever they tried as a sport, like they'd, they'd go to the park and see people ice skating, so they'd find a, a pair of ice skates, you know, in the Goodwill or something like that, and he said Yogi could just skate, and playing soccer, Yogi was the best soccer player. Yogi was a tremendous table tennis player. And he would just pick up a paddle, and he knew how to do it. You know, that eye-hand coordination for him was just like superhuman. So he said he never saw an athlete quite like Yogi, which was a very unlikely character because he's not, he never had that look of this uh, Adonis athlete, but he could do everything pretty much better than everybody else. And just a dear human being on top of that. So that was a wonderful relationship they had for many, many years. Did your dad and Yogi ever get to compete one against one another? No, never got to play against each other. Yogi spent his whole career uh, with the Yankees, and my dad played with four different teams, but played his whole career in the National League. So the only opportunity they would have had would have been a World Series, and my dad's only World Series was his rookie year when they, uh, they beat the Red Sox, Ted Williams and the Red Sox, in seven games. But they never got back. So, uh, no, he never got a chance to play against Yogi. And speaking of uh, signing so young, was your dad one of the youngest people to ever play up to that point, uh, Major League Baseball? Yeah, in fact, for uh, for a time, he had the record of the youngest catcher ever in a World Series to do something. But I think Tim McCarver, some you know, 25 years later, yeah. I think beat him by a couple of months. He was younger, but yeah, for a time, he was the youngest the youngest player to, to achieve that kind of success. And then after uh, baseball, uh, he went on to be uh, a television game show host. Um, yeah, yeah. So uh, yeah, he did. Uh, he did maybe four or five different game shows over over course of time. Yeah, uh, my favorite was to tell the truth, and uh, they went. They, they had Morgana the Kissing Bandit on one time, and your dad. Uh, <laughs> and uh, your dad said when they went to go identify her, um, they said, uh, we tried to call Reggie Jackson, but he was busy. So uh, I guess we have to use this <laughs> baseball player right here. Well, and they had some funny experiences on that show. Somebody, it's funny you mentioned, uh, to tell the truth, because somebody just emailed me the other day that said they had the game show network on, and they happened to see it to tell the truth 
program that my dad was on. And the one that he was on, I don't remember the guy, I think he was an undercover cop or something like this was his oh, line yeah. of work. But the three, uh, the three panelists came out and they were all made up in costume, like undercover, like, you know, yeah. um, Your brother was on that street, street, street people. Yeah. yeah. And so when they reveal who they are, the middle guy is uh, Kitty Carlisle, who was on the show. It's her son. Yeah. So she's laughing, and, and my dad is laughing. He's saying, oh, I can't believe you don't you don't recognize your own kid. Who doesn't recognize their own kid? Oh, that's, oh, that's ridiculous. And then the third guy is revealed, and that's my brother Joe. And uh, my dad just falls out of his chair at that point because he had no idea. <laughs> so that, that was a good one. That was a memorable one. So uh, let me ask you, what um, what was the secret to your dad's success between the baseball, the television host, and being a broadcaster? Uh, was he a very hardworking guy? Yeah, you know, I think that really was the secret to it. One, he was obviously very personable. I mean, he had a he had a magnetic personality. He just he, as I said, he enjoyed people. He enjoyed life, and and I think when people see that and they're around that, you're drawn to that. Yeah. Because, you know, you, you want to feel good. But beyond that, and, and more important, was that he always did his homework. And he did a lot of homework. And actually, when I was going to get into television, as advice that he passed on was that, to always do your homework, always be prepared. Because then when things go wrong, which they inevitably do in, uh, you know, in live television, when things go wrong... You're ready to make a move wherever you need to go. And in terms of uh, being funny and making ad libs, he would have a whole sheet of things that he would have prepared before a baseball game of little tidbits he might use or might not use. And a lot of times, 70% of them never came up in the ball game. But he had them ready, and when a situation would happen, he'd throw out some line, and people would say, Oh, how do you think of that stuff so fast? Oh, you know, you're so quick. Because he thought of it before the game even started. Yeah. And he had a list of things ready. And he had often said the best ad libs are prepared ahead of time. And and that's a function of homework. So he would, you know, before a ball game, he would spend the day before or certainly the day of before the game talking with all the players, talking with the manager, trying to get a feel for where the team is. And so I would say that was that was really a big key to his success. He was just a very personable guy. And he also worked so hard at, at what he did. So um, there's also something else that I'm reading about your dad. And uh, it says that one of your dad's first appearances on TV was in 1960 when he appeared on stage at a campaign event for JFK. Oh, boy. I, you know, that could very well be. I don't even really know. I, I, honestly, I don't, know. I don't know. I suspect it's true. Oh, okay. It seems like over the course of his he liked, he, he met met everybody, and gosh, he had, you know, dinner at the White House with five different presidents. I mean, he just, he did an awful lot of stuff in his life, met a lot of people, and did a lot of things. So, that doesn't surprise me at all, but I, I don't I don't know the story of that. Sure, 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 absolutely. But uh, going going back to, uh, let me let, let me backtrack here for just a, a minute, too. Uh, not only was your dad involved in baseball, you also have a brother who served as the general manager for the Arizona Diamondbacks, correct? Yeah, when when my, well, my mom and dad moved out to Arizona, and uh, Joe and his wife 
Uh, and we, we all lived out there briefly. I have a brother and a sister, so there are three of us. And, and for a time, we all lived out in Phoenix. I was only there for uh, several years, and then we came back to Detroit just because we missed being here. This is, this is home. It's not like home. We've been here so many years. Yeah. But Joe went out to, uh, to Phoenix, brother Joe, and he was part of the group that was trying to bring baseball to Phoenix. So he worked on that for oh four or five years, trying to put together the, the you know the financing, the stadium, all that goes into having a major league franchise. So when the team finally happened, and uh, Phoenix got the Diamondbacks, Joe was named the general manager. So he ran that club for uh, several years, and of course the the most exciting year was even in the midst of tragedy in 2001. Yep. during the World Series against the Yankees. Yep. And for anybody who remembers that World Series, Luis Gonzalez. it was one of, oh my gosh, it was one of the wildest, most exciting seven-game World Series of all <laughs> of them. And he was on the winning side. So that is by far his, his most exciting moment in baseball. But then he left the Diamondbacks, and he's been in the commissioner's office now for a number of years. So... Uh, Baseball is is his life as well. It's always been his life. I'm I'm the one who kind of branched away from it a little bit. I did sports for years on uh, on the news here in Detroit, and oh about oh gosh, almost 20 years ago now, I crossed over to do news and some sports. But now I do a little bit of both. But of course, my dad's life was baseball, and my brother's life is baseball. So we're a yeah. sports family, no oh, doubt about absolutely. that. Absolutely, I think that a lot of people are are sports sports families and. People who uh, remember growing up with your dad, like me. Uh, unfortunately, I don't remember him from baseball, but I do remember him from, from game shows. And uh, sure. what a what a nice bald television host he made. <laughs> well, I never got to see him play baseball myself. He he retired the year I was born. Oh, so okay. the only baseball I only baseball I've seen are old World Series films of him playing. So I like yourself. Knew him professionally as a broadcaster of baseball because he did that for so many years, and then uh, he was on the Today Show for a number of years, and then you mentioned the game show. So I knew his professional career as being on television. His baseball career was before me. Did your dad have a um, highlight to his career at all, or throughout his life at all that he especially enjoyed? Oh. Boy, that's a good question. You know, I know certainly as a as a ball player, the the highlight was his rookie season when they uh, when they went to the World Series and he had a good World Series and they beat the Red Sox in in seven games. So I know professionally that was the highlight of his career as a baseball player. As a broadcaster, boy, that's hard to say. Certainly, doing baseball, he has he has broadcast uh, probably you know half a dozen or had. Uh, broadcast half a dozen no hitters, uh, worlds many World Series games. Uh, gosh, he met the Pope. He met presidents. He slept in the White House. I mean, he just did a lot of amazing, amazing wow. things wow. through his career. That I, I, I guess I couldn't even. I don't think he ever picked out one that he said this was except for baseball, the World Series. But as a broadcaster, he, he had just so many remarkable experiences. I don't think there would be just one. So um, did your uh, 
dad get married while he played baseball? And if so, did your mom travel with him at all? Um, she didn't travel a lot with him. Yeah, they got married. Let's see. He came up in 46. They got married in 1950. So when they met, in fact, it's funny how, how they met. They were, uh, my mom is from St. Louis as well. So uh, they were in St. Louis. And my mom, uh, interestingly enough, was a professional organist. In fact, she and uh, I want to say the woman's name is Gladys Gooding, who played the organ for the Brooklyn Dodgers. I could have the name wrong, but I think it's Gladys Gooding. She and my mom were the first two women to play the organ at Major League Baseball Stadium. My mom played at Bush Stadium for the Cardinals for a couple of years. So she was a professional organist. And at the time when they met, she was not playing at, at Bush Stadium. It was before then. She was playing at the roller rink in St. Louis. And one particular night, Joe and Yogi, who always hung out together, and this was uh, after the baseball season, they were at the roller rink with their date skating. And uh, Joe says to Yogi, hey, uh, hey, Yoke, keep my date busy. I want to go over there and uh, meet that organist. So uh, Yogi kept his date and my dad's date busy while Joe went over to uh, meet the organist, who was Audrey, uh, my mom. And uh, he's talking her up, and, you know, he thinks he's pretty hot stuff because he's a major league ball player, and he's, uh, he's a stud, and he's cool. And she thought he was a big, obnoxious jerk because he was really full of himself and she thought he was arrogant. So she just kind of blew him off. And then, uh, you know, he called her for a date sometime after that. And she said, no, she was going to go bowling with her dad. And he said, geez, what are you, what, this is ridiculous. I'm getting blown off by this, by this girl. I'm a really hot major league baseball player. So he kept it up. He kept asking and, uh, she finally went out with him and, uh, turned out he was a pretty good guy. And, uh, course they then got married and were married for 65 years so wow. they met in st louis and he owes it all to yogi keeping his date busy when they went to the roller rink wow just what a incredible life from baseball yeah you, what's that you just never never know the, the twist your life is going to take you know I know, I know. I mean, uh, one thing uh, I'll tell you about is uh, I actually used to work in television out in Los Angeles myself, uh, doing doing production work over at uh, Paramount Studios. And I'll tell you, ever since the days of when your dad hosted, television has changed uh, dramatically. Uh, unfortunately, I wish that we would go back to the days of when your dad were, was hosting. But, um, but uh, your dad basically really, to me, exemplified what a television host is supposed to be. Well, and, you know, in terms of, of broadcasting, and people take it for granted now, he was the first, uh, well, jocks in the booth is what they referred to it as. He was the first athlete to cross over and do broadcasting. And he was widely ridiculed and attacked by broadcasters at the time because the, you know the knock was well he didn't he hasn't paid his dues what has he done to earn a career in broadcasting you know he just played sports and all of a sudden they think he's a broadcaster so you know he he worked hard and he practiced and he got better and better and but now of course every broadcast of every sport has somebody in the booth who is a former athlete yeah. that's just a given because the athletes 
you know, it's a natural. The athlete understands the experience, understands the emotions of it, has lived the emotion of it. So it only makes sense. But back yeah. in 19, well, that would have been like 1958, 57, when he first went in the booth with the Cardinals, it was unheard of. These were all professional broadcasters who did this, not athletes, not these jocks. So he was, like I say, widely ridiculed, but he hung in there and he worked very hard at it, and, and that really opened the door for athletes to do that, to cross over and become broadcasters, and now it's obviously commonplace. So what did your dad do in his um, final years of, of life? Uh, he lived down in uh, Arizona, uh, from what I'm reading, correct? Yeah, I lived in Phoenix, and um, did he you know, always? He still, uh, gosh, did, did he always manage to stay involved in baseball somehow? Oh, he did absolutely. In fact, up until I guess he must have been eighty-seven, and he was still broadcasting some games for the Diamondbacks. He didn't travel with them, but he did maybe oh, I don't know fifteen home games, maybe twenty home games. That he would uh, that he would broadcast. So yeah, he stayed in broadcasting almost right up and, until the very end because, he, and he loved those Diamondbacks and and he was much beloved in Phoenix because he was very involved in the community and did a lot of charitable work and and was always at the ballpark until his health really faded in the last couple of years because he just loved being around he loved being around baseball he loved reading about being around the ballpark so he and my mom went to games. Oh, gosh, I'd say until, until really the last two years of his life, they went to, like, every home game. They would go to the ball game because they just, they just loved being around baseball. So he remained very, very active until his health made that impossible. So did your dad uh, ever stay in contact with all of his teammates that he used to play with uh, throughout his life? Oh, I think he saw, uh, I don't know, close contact. I think Yogi might be the only one he stayed in really close contact with. But he would see them pretty often. There was a, an organization called BAT, the Baseball Assistance Team, which uh, he helped start. And uh, it, BAT reaches out to former ball players who have, who have fallen on hard times and could use a little financial help or you know, maybe some guidance toward uh, counseling or something like that. So they would have uh, meetings, and whenever he would go to those, which were typically in New York, there'd be a lot of his uh, former teammates and, and former opponents that he was close friends with that he would see. So I would say certainly several times a year he saw a lot of the, a lot of the guys that he played with and, and knew through baseball. He always stayed very close with with baseball and what was going on with baseball. And of course, his big campaign was the anti-spit tobacco, which was another one he took a lot of heat for for years trying to get spit tobacco out of baseball because it, it's just it's just horrible what that stuff what that stuff does. You know, he yeah. saw so many he saw so many young men and and middle-aged men long before their lives should have been taken either lose their life or have uh, radical surgery and, uh, on their jaw, their face, because of gum and lip and tongue cancers. So he battled for years to try to get uh, spit tobacco out of baseball, and, and now it has happened in the last few years, and that was him. He did that. And, you know, he didn't, 
he didn't ask for anything for it, but there are a lot of young men who could be thankful to him that they're not on that stuff and they're going to live a long, healthy life because of it. So that was a campaign he took took very seriously. A close friend of his was Bill Tuttle, who, gosh, I want to say, well, I was going to say Bill played for off the Yankees. I'm not sure. Maybe the Tigers. But they were close friends for years, and, and Bill died long before he should have because of mouth cancer. Mm-hmm. Because of chewing that chewing that tobacco, and that's ah, that stuff is just awful what it does to people. So that was probably the, the 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 campaign, the project that he maybe is most proud of, would have been most proud of in his life that he did that and got that out of baseball. Did your dad ever, um, whenever he would go to the ballparks or watch certain baseball players play, ever think to himself at all, like? how did this person ever make it into the major leagues or what is he even doing in the, in the major leagues at all? <laughs> oh, oh, I, I mean, he didn't, he didn't vocalize that very often, but I know he felt that in the, you know, watching like over the last 10 or 12 years, you know, his baseball just expanded, expanded, expanded. And you have so many, so many people playing baseball. There are guys in the major leagues now that, you know, 30, 40 years ago, wouldn't have had a shot at playing in the major oh, yeah. leagues because they're just not good enough. But it, it's gotten big enough now that there's there's space for a lot of guys that would never have had a career in the major leagues back in the 60s and the 50s. And you know, so uh, yeah, I, I'm sure he has I'm sure he has thought that a number of times. <laughs> so my my final question for you is: um, Do you guys ever uh, come back to Kansas? Or I'm I'm sorry. St. Louis or Kansas City at all for any baseball or organization-related stuff? Uh, well, I mean, I go back once in a while because I have family there. I have cousins there uh, who live in St. Louis. So, uh, you know, we left St. Louis when I was, gosh, I was only six years old, I guess, when we left St. Louis. So I don't have a lot of memories of St. Louis, but because I have family there, we go, we go back to visit. And, of course, when we do, we go on the hill and uh, get some of the best Italian food in the world. So, uh, yeah, I love St. Louis. I don't know much about Kansas City. I don't think I've been, I maybe have only been to Kansas City once in my life. Oh, you got it. You got it. Well, I know you got great barbecue sauce. I know that. Yes, yes, we do. And you got a a pretty good baseball team, unlike uh, us in Detroit. Well... Yeah, we've been on on the downhill, unfortunately, the last couple of years, ever since we won that World Series. But uh, I'm fairly confident we'll, we'll we will rebuild and uh, get our team back up to par. Oh yeah, no, you guys got a good baseball team and and have for a pretty long time now. So uh, yeah, you got no place to complain, man. You should live with the Tigers. <laughs> okay, <laughs> I will definitely get the Tiger word for that. Then. So yeah, Steve, yeah, we're, we're struggling. Yeah. Steve, I want to thank you so much for your time. Thank you for sharing your dad with us. And um, God bless you, sir. And uh, good good luck good luck to the Tigers. And uh, I'm sad, really, that your dad has uh, gone on now. I wish we still had him around or uh, at least another person like him around. But uh, he certainly is one, one in a million, I'll tell you that much. Well, you know, it's definitely a big loss. I mean, that's, there's no denying that. But, you know, at one point, uh, soon after the funeral, uh, my brother Joe said, you know, here's a guy with 
90 years old, met everybody, did everything. He didn't miss an at-bat, you know, in 90 years. And I thought, boy, that's a great way to think of it. He just, for 90 years, he just was taking a big bite out of life. And what more could you possibly ask for, you know? He certainly did live life to its fullest, I will say that. Yeah, he did. Well, thanks for calling, Mike. It was really a pleasure chatting with you. Well, thank you so much once again for being on my show, and uh, I hope you, I hope that you come back sometime. Yeah, I, I, maybe you know we we plan our trips in the summertime when uh, when the weather's nice. So uh, yeah, maybe we can come down and see you. Oh, great! That'd be fantastic. All right, Mike. I'll see you. All right. Thank you so much. Bye bye.